0: I think this is a huge way to advertise. People that don't think this is advertisement are crazy. They must not listen to podcasts, because I think podcasts are the future. People are gonna people are gonna get more and more bored with the average TV model. They're gonna want something different and real. I think you can find that in podcasts. Up everybody, and welcome to episode eight of the podcast. Excited to be here with you guys, hanging out today. It's always a treat when I get to do these and just sit down, smoke, talk, and reflect on the week and what's going on. So today I'm smoking some forum cut, some Girl Scout cookies. And man, this forum cut for me, whenever I smoke it, it's always. uh, I know it's an old strain now, but it's always a treat because back in 2009 and 10 when I first started growing weed. And that was before I even had blown glass at all. One of my things was once I started blowing glass and I'd already been a grower for a couple of years and I was like, man, maybe if I get good at glass blowing, I could trade someone a pipe and get the forum cut. I was obsessed. I wanted this cut so bad. I was living in upstate New York. I was in no place where the forum cut was floating around. It was a uh, middle of nowhere upstate. So when I smoke the forum cut nowadays, I always feel, uh, feel lucky because it's, a uh, a little bit of a nostalgia and a reminder. It's like, I did it. I got it. Um, so another thing, too, before we really get into the episode, the Hawaii show, we're going to be rescheduling. Um, even if things get better by you know June 27th, I still just don't think people are going to be ready to really be jump around and stuff and travel. And I think most people are still going to be recovering from everything going on. So we're rescheduling, we're not canceling it, we're still going to make it happen. I'm going to do a drop with Hetty Hawaii, still around that time, an online drop, but I'm going to save the one-of-one and lathe pieces and all the special stuff I was going to do for the rescheduled date, and I'll let you guys know as soon as we know the exact date, because I just found out that we were rescheduling like yesterday, so just wanted to let you guys know about that. And uh, upcoming drops, um, we got Boom Bap in uh, Barcelona, Spain. And, yes, Spain, they are still getting their drop. Um, their shop has has had to close down at this point just because of safety, public safety and all that stuff going on over there as well. We're dealing with it here. But they're still going to be selling um, to local people and online and stuff and shipping and doing stuff like that. So the Spain drop is still happening. And then after them, it's Heady Glass Gallery. And I've been working with Heady Glass Gallery since, I think, 2014. They've been supporting me since just about day one as well, so I'm excited to get cash in order. It's been a while. They haven't gotten an order for me in a couple years just because I've been so, so busy. And um, and yeah, so now that we got those couple little things out of the way, talking about the Hawaii show and uh, drops coming up, Smoke This Joint, we'll uh, just get caught up for the week. And I wanted to talk about, we'll talk about, I want to talk about this piece right here. Um, But we'll get into that here in a little bit. That's the Hookah Recycler collab with Gonzo. (coughs) And also today, too, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, skateboarding, my skateboarding background and stuff, because a few days ago I posted just like a little clip of me doing a trick in the studio. People got, you know, were pretty, uh, said a lot of nice things and we were excited, so... For the people that do watch the podcast, I wanted to just give you guys a little background on skateboarding and what it was to me and all that stuff. So, but we'll get into all that. Just wanted to give you guys a heads up what we're getting into today. So, if this doesn't sound like fun to you, you can get out of here right now. Mm. Man, that forb cut. When people grow it right, it gets so minty. Like it's it's such an interesting terp. It's it's honestly, it's really hard to explain besides minty and salty and a little bit of peppery in there, but it's that mint you get from it that I think is the quality that most people are just like, why it was such a hitter. And also too, it's, it's very potent. And, um, I think I got this from Den Rec, dispensary up in Denver, went and stocked up last week because we're continuing to just stay inside and, um, follow all the quarantine stuff. So we're, now set up we haven't a flower for about a month so we're just gonna hunker down even though we've already been doing it for a few weeks now we're just gonna keep at it um but yeah okay I believe we're at episode eight already guys I mean it's feeling really proud of myself and my producer Mark Styles. we've both been working hard on this and you know putting it out and all the people out there they are taking the time to check it out. I know I say this a lot, but I really I want to keep saying it because I really do appreciate you guys that watch these and come hang out and for an hour and get caught up and see what we're getting into. It's been really, really fun. All right. So I think let's let's um let's get into the function like and, and talk about like the hookah recycler now um, and get that out of the way a little earlier. Usually I talk for about 15-20 minutes about just life and shit, and then we get into the function, but let's do the function a little earlier on and then we'll uh, get extra stone and start talking about other shit. So let's see here. I'm going to move this in front of me a little bit. And we'll break it down because I've never, I've never really got to do too much like real like videos or talking about this piece of glass right here. I'm just going to turn on that camera. Sweet. So you can kind of see those better. Um, and also too if you're listening to this on the podcast app or just the audio this part right here is probably going to be a little bit better to watch on the youtube uh you can click the link in my bio on my instagram at they did it um so we're going to talk about this piece right now and there's gonna be a lot of pointing and showing parts and stuff so if you're just listening to the audio this part probably be better to check out the video so this right here um was made in 2016 and um we called it the 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 candelabra recycler and I'll explain why. And I'm probably saying that wrong, but I'm from upstate New York. Give me a break. Um, and I made this piece with Gonzo and, uh, Blake Gonzo glass. He's one of my oldest buddies in the glass community. He collabed with me very early on and came and spent time with me and I've collabed with him more than anyone else. Um, he's come to my house more than, you know, any other artist I've worked with and stuff. So this is a really special one we made together and this is honestly one of those pieces is he, when he came over here and, uh, we were collab, and he drove out from California. Um, we started brainstorming what we were going to make, um, while he was here, you know, drawing up ideas and stuff. And we had a bunch of ideas and then I showed him this drawing I had in my notebook and I, I, I asked him, I was like, if you're down, would you be down to make this with me? Because Gonzo's fume prep is so clean and so easy to work, his prep is just very clean. So it's just for me to shape it and keep things really consistent. He was like the perfect person at that time for me to work with because he just his prep is so good and consistent. And anyone that's collabed with him knows that. Like Gonzo, shit's on point. So I showed him this drawing of the hookah recycler, which is a three-person like recycling like hookah. You basically take this piece out right here, put your nail in the middle, but we'll go in more into that here in a minute. Um, and I showed it to him and he was like, that's going to be a lot of prep. Like if you guys look, there's so many little parts and sections and shaping in this. And this is all gold and silver fume, the whole thing. And then also has a layer of green stardust over it. So it sparkles. So this is a ton of work for Gonzo to do. Like probably could have made six pieces with all this prep, but I showed it to him and basically it was like hey man like would you be down to make this and he was like all right he's like if we can finish a few other pieces and find them homes like i'll put the time into this one with you because this is a huge undertaking making all this prep especially not having anything pre-prepped like the stuff he had pre-prepped we were already using for other collabs so he had to like prep this whole thing fresh um and i was so excited when he said that he would he was down to make this thing it was um It's one of those things I had drawn up for about a year and it was an idea I really just wanted to do, but it was something I wanted to do. I wanted to do it in a special format and like Gonzo's preps all transparent, but it has so much color. So it's like, this was just like, it was the perfect person to make this piece with Um, one second. We got some puppies barking. Bane, you guys are good. Just the garbage guys. Chill out. Okay, so let's start breaking down this piece. We'll get into it. We'll show more of the detail and how this whole thing was put together because this was this was a challenging build. Let me just take a sip of coffee here and we'll really break it down. Chill, Bane. Okay, so all these mouthpieces are removable. Now, I got to say one of the hardest parts about this piece was making three mouthpieces that looked the same. Uh, it was... I learned so much on this build because I I had never had to make, especially at this time when I made it, I wasn't doing a bunch of the same thing. I was making different stuff almost every day of the week. I wasn't doing something like the RBR where I'm making them over and over again. So for me to make a bunch of parts that were exactly the same, this was a huge challenge for me. And right here is why the, why the name is, oh my God, don't mind me guys. That first joint of the day, I'm feeling it already. That Girl Scout cookies. um The reason we call it the Candelibra Recycler, recycler oh my God, Candelibra Recycler, is because when you look at like this, it looks like something that would hold like candles that you'd like carry through like a castle or some shit. So that, that's where the name came from is how it looked without the, like the mouthpieces in it and stuff. And it's like all that like symmetry of like 3 cuz it's a 3 person recycler and i love it's it almost looks like candlesticks and stuff so it comes apart because there was really no way for me at that point and i still think to this day unless i built it on a lathe to actually have 3 mouthpieces that went like kind of like flare out so far Oh man, it's fun to look at this piece. And like this morning when I was, I was actually going to show off um, some other pieces today, but then I thought about it. And I'm like, man, I, me and Gonzo made this piece and I never like really posted it too hard for sale because it was one of those things where I was like, this is such a special piece. Like it's the type of piece I want to show like my family members when they come visit me and, and they don't know really what my job is. And they're kind of just like, well, what do you do for a living or whatever? And this was the type of piece I wanted to show them just because... I felt like it was a really good display of, like, my skill and, like, what I was able to do by hand. And even if you didn't like pipe art or anything like that, when this whole thing is assembled and put together, it really – if you're – you don't know what you're looking at. Like, you know, a lot of people that, like, in my family didn't know what the fuck it was. And then when I told them it was a pipe and I explained it, they are like, oh, I would have never thought that was a pipe. They just – didn't think about it like that. But also, too, this thing could be smoked, like, by yourself. Like, there's little plugs. so you, Or you could smoke with just two people. You can plug off this whole section. And, like... Or you could smoke it completely by yourself. Plug off both of these. Like, there's little stoppers for it. So you can, like... You know, you can smoke it with two people by yourself. Or all three. I would say, though, that... Man, I couldn't imagine. I've never... I've only smoked it with two people. I've never smoked it with three. It'd probably be pretty wild being that close to so many people's faces while you're taking a dab. (laughs) But, but that's why probably hoses are better. But for me, it was more like the, uh, the aesthetic of the overall piece. Like I wanted to create a shape, like a finished piece. Like it was more of like an, an artsy kind of thing and not so much just trying to make like a hookah for people to smoke. Um, though it does, it works very well. It's a really fun piece. Like, and also too, this whole thing, even the perk is all like fumed all the way down through. You, you're not gonna be able to see it in the video because this thing has so much shit going on with it. Um, but basically, you take out this stopper in the top here, and then Joel Halen made this giant honey bucket back in 2016 for me and Gonzo, and that goes right in the top. So that was like that's the nail for it and everything too. So it's just. I just wanted to like bring out an older piece and tell little stories about it. And honestly just reminisce about it, you know, on camera with you guys and talk about it and hang out because this is definitely one that I, I definitely posted a bunch of times on Instagram, but I never really talked about it like in depth because it was, because we just didn't have that back in 2016, you know, like I don't even think we had Instagram stories at that point. I think it was just like one minute videos on your main feed. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to work with Gonzo here again in the future, too. Um, we had some plans to work for one for a show we had coming up, but I think, like, because of everything going on right now, everyone's shows are kind of put on hold for the most part. But, yeah, special piece, the three-person hookah recycler. This is one of those things where I hope someday we can uh, set up some like live events and do like uh, bear mountain sessions where people bring all their Bear mountain studios rigs. I'll bring some really unique stuff like the hooker recycler, the Titan RBR prototypes. And if I live in Colorado, so this would be the best place honestly to do it. So we're going to plan that out once things get better and uh, we'll do some sessions where people can come out and try some prototypes and play around with all these different rigs and stuff. Once, once things get better, but yeah, geez, don't mind that giant truck outside driving by you guys probably didn't hear that but i heard it i slide that out of the way for now doing uh doing a lot of giveaways right now too guys like watch my feed closely because there's going to be at least one giveaway a week we're doing two this week by the time this comes out they'll both be over but when you guys see this this weekend or sunday or monday there'll probably be another giveaway. I'd say like Tuesday or Wednesday that week. So be on the lookout for that. But I think I talked about this a little bit last episode, but now we're actually doing it. So I figured let's, uh, I'll just talk about a little bit more what we're doing. And me and my wife, like, and I'm really stoked. She's on board to do this. Cause she's not usually, she doesn't really like when I give away a glass because to be real, we always have bills to pay and stuff too. You know, we're all real people. Like, you know, everyone always needs like money to deal with stuff, but Honestly, like I know if I just work hard, like we'll, we'll pay our bills and I still can give away the glass I want to give away. I already got two of them made, but, but the plan is, is right now, because a lot of uh, the stores I work with have had to close their like retail locations, but they're still running their Instagrams and selling glass online. But a lot of these stores are more brick and mortar stores. They haven't really spent a lot of time building up their Instagrams or their online presence where people like know to buy glass from them. And, uh, so what my plan is basically with every drop during quarantine, I'm going to give away some sort of RBR or recycler piece I've made. They're all going to be like functional pieces, but I'm going to be giving them away to like help show my followers where the drops are helping happening and help show people like new shops. They maybe want to support or check out. And this isn't just for my glass either. You might like learn about a new shop and then see them post another artist you love. And then you buy that piece. This is not just about buying my work, but it's about just helping people to have small businesses. They're still paying their employees, but had to close their stores. You know, this is an easy thing for me to just do so that we can get them selling more glass or seeing, you know, other people finding pieces that have been hiding on the shelves for years from other artists and just, you know, whatever, whatever it is. But this is how me and my wife, like, how we can help and um do stuff for our stores during this time. And like she was like so on board with it. I'm like, why are you so on board? She's on board with this. And she was like, if you if there's like a reason behind why you're giving something away, you're just not like giving something away for just randomly. She's like she's like, then I'm on board. Like there's there's a reason behind this. Like we're you know trying to help these stores. So let's do it. But Usually when I do my giveaways, I'm just like, Oh, I'm gonna do a giveaway today. Like no reason. She's like, you had like three pieces to finish. Why did you just make, why did you just make a piece to give away? That doesn't make sense. Now you're more behind, but I can't help it. I don't, I get more behind. Even if I needed money that day, I still, there's something I do. I love about like making glass and doing giveaways and stuff like that. I'm addicted to it, but It's fun for me. So we're going to keep on doing it. So that's one of the things we're going to be doing these giveaways throughout this whole time to help these stores and uh, to give you guys something fun to look forward to each week. Besides, you know, we'll have the podcast. We'll have some giveaways and then have my daily posts on on both my Instagrams. So doing as much as I can on my end, even though all I am is a pipe maker and I make some videos and stuff. So it's not like I'm really doing anything, but it's what I know how to do. So I'm going to try and do it my best right now. And maybe it will help. Maybe it won't. Maybe it's, you know, maybe I'm just being silly. But, it's what I know how to do. So we're going to, that's, that's what we're doing. And yeah, like, I don't know if I've ever talked about it too much on the podcast, but I want to tell some stories of, you know, skateboarding and living in Brooklyn and working in Times Square today and just talk about my time in New York city. I figured we'll just get into this now. That way the people that maybe like, I was just here for the function and whatever, like we're going to talk about some other stuff, but honestly, I might pull out some other pipes later because I have some other pieces with water, um, and we can get into some function videos and stuff, and I have some new collabs I could show off, but we'll do that in a little bit. Um, I'm just going to drink some coffee, smoke, and let's talk about some stories in New York City cause, um, and skateboarding, too, not just New York City. Just growing up, skateboarding and all the things I did and got into. So... I started skateboarding I think I was about eight years old, so I, I I wasn't super little when I started, but I started when I was about eight years old, maybe nine. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater came out in nineteen ninety nine and that was like changed my whole life. I was like, Oh, this is it. I just wanna skate and then you know, all the skate videos I was finding and and honestly, like I played a lot of team sports as a kid growing up, like basketball, lacrosse and stuff like that. And I liked them and they were fun but there was something about skateboarding where I didn't need a team or anything. I was just like able to grab my board and just go out by myself and not rely on anyone and just have fun and not have to need a whole team to play this game. And, uh, as soon as I got my first skateboard, I was like absolutely hooked though. And it's all I did. And I was really bad at it for a long time and not, not saying I ever got really good at it either, but I was like when I was younger, like I, my nickname was one foot. I was like the chubby kid that would always land with just one foot on the board. So my nickname was one foot. Like I could flip it right and do all the tricks, but I could never land with two feet just one foot on the board. because I was scared. I swear. And then, um, when I was like 13, 14 years old, um, you know, just going into like, what was it? Like eighth or ninth grade or something like that. Um, I had this weird falling out with my group of friends and I wasn't hanging out with anyone anymore. Um, so I was like just home by myself all the time and like, I was just thinking about these guys that would pick on me cause I wasn't good at skateboarding. And then I went out in my driveway and for nine months, I just like skateboarded so hard in my driveway. Just would do the same trick for six hours a day. I didn't even care. Like, and I was building ramps and like trying stuff and rails and all these things and just, just working so hard to get good at skateboarding. And then I saw all these friends, um, skating at, in a parking lot, like outside. I may, it might have even been the high school or something, or maybe a gas station or something. And like, I rolled up and hadn't really like talked to him or hung out or skated with them in like almost a year and, um, skated. And like, it was, this was like a big, like, I learned like a lesson like here. And uh, honestly, like I was skating with them and I was like doing really good and like beat everyone in skate. And I felt really proud of myself and Half of them weren't even there though. I was like, Where's so and so and so and so? And everyone's like, Well they, they don't skateboard anymore and like those were the people I really wanted to show that I got better at this. Like I worked so hard to like prove something to these people that were just picking on me. And by the time I got to where I wanted to be to show them, they weren't even doing it anymore and didn't even care about it. They were like they were like hanging out with girls and stuff instead at that point. And I was just like still just trying to do this skateboarding thing. And um but yeah, like I don't know, for me it's just like I realized I shouldn't have spent, you know I got a lot out of it, but it was like, was it coming from a positive place or was I just trying to prove something to someone? But basically, after that happened, I was like 14, 15. And then I loved skateboarding just for skateboarding at that point because I was just like, man, like I don't need to prove anything to anyone. This is just fun. This is for me. This is like my escape after I get out of school. I just get on my board and, you know, like hang out in the driveway and do whatever. Like, because I lived out in the country in the middle of nowhere. I didn't live in a city or anything like that. Like, I didn't move to New York City until I was 20 years old. So, Like, I grew up out in, like, a farm, like, dairy country kind of area where, like, the only, like, place you could skate was, like, your driveway. Uh, And we would have to take trips, you know, to go skate parks and stuff, you know, at least driving, you know, half hour, 45 minutes to get to a decent park. And even – I think about them now, and they weren't even decent parks compared to the parks we have nowadays. But then through my, like, high school years and stuff, like, skateboarding was what was, like – that was, like, what defined me. It's who I was. Like, it was – like I was a skateboarder. That was like my whole life. I always thought I'd do something in skateboarding. I didn't think I'd ever be a pro skater, but I, I always thought that I would be someone that at least worked within the skateboard industry. Like maybe I'm not an actual, like I don't like make money from skateboarding doing tricks, but maybe I work for like a board company or I do this or that. And I went to Woodward skate camp for like five, I, th- I think it was five years. It might've been four years. We'll just say four to be safe. Um, I think it was four years in a row, but one year I went for like two weeks But uh, Woodward, I went to the East Coast location in Pennsylvania. And what Woodward Skate Camp is, if you don't know what it is, it's basically this huge, like, there's multiple skate parks. There's, like, 20 different skate parks. It's all in this, like, big, like, campground thing. And these are, like, super professionally built parks. And there's, like, restaurants and, like, cabins. And you bunk with, like, a bunch of people. And it's all for, like, you know, 17 and under. And um, all your instructors are pro skaters. So, like, you're hanging out with all these pro skaters that you see in the video games or on the you know, X games and stuff. They're the guy that like, you know, you wake up in the morning and they're at the door of your cabin. They're like, you ready to skate today? And they go like, teach you stuff and hang out. And it was like, Oh my God. I fucking loved Woodward skate camp. It was so fun. Like one year I got like, it was like third place in the game of skate at the rock. And then I got like a discounted week. So like my parents like were able to like, I was able to do two weeks, um, one year. And that was really, really fun. Um, being able to stay that long. It was just, but you're so like sore. And what's kind of crazy too is, is when you go to Woodward skate camp, the first day you get there, you're not allowed to skateboard at all. So basically everyone gets there and like you go to your cabin, you get your bunk, you like unpack everything. And then it's like four o'clock in the afternoon. Then you have to sit there until 8am the next day before you can even touch a skateboard. Like you're not allowed to like stand outside the cabin and do tricks. And, um, the reason they do that is because people are so excited when they get there and they see how crazy the parks are. They're like, we don't want kids all getting hurt, like, the first day, and then they can't skate the whole week. So they, like, try to, like, like, all right, you guys can't skateboard today, but tomorrow we're going to start fresh in the morning, have breakfast, and then you can go skateboard and do all your classes. And um, how it's set up, too, is at least when I went, like, you had, like, a schedule of, like, classes you'd go to. But you could also skip the classes and just skate whatever park you want and do whatever you wanted to do and just hang out with friends, which is – usually what I did, honestly, I didn't go to too many of the, the classes, but I think it was just because I was so like excited to try everything. I didn't want to just sit at one park for like two hours. Cause there's so many different parks, so many different things to try. <coughs> but, um, so yeah, when I was 17, I could no longer go to Woodward though, just because that was like, you know, it's a camp for like, you know, kids and teenagers basically. But, um, once I turned 18 though, like it's weird. I took another little break from skateboarding for a short time. It was, I got way, way too into playing world of Warcraft. It was bad for like two years. And, um, and I got like fat and shit. It was wild. Um, and we could talk about that more in the future, but it's not that interesting, but I, I like didn't skate at all for like two years at that point and whenever I stopped skateboarding and I just realized this the other night when I jumped on my board again for the first time, whenever I stopped skateboarding, I feel like I always just don't feel like myself. I'm like, man, I feel like I'm not doing like who, you know, what defined me like, or what I grew up with. That's why I need to start skateboarding again. But man, I, I did quit from like 18 till about 20 and I got like heavier. And then my, my wife was like, pretty much over playing world of Warcraft cause she was playing world of Warcraft too. And she was like, this is like, she's like, I want to go like do something with my life. And she got accepted into makeup designery, which is a really high end makeup school in Manhattan. It's in Soho, lower Manhattan. And, um, she got accepted there and she got the financial aid and everything. And she's like, I'm moving to New York city. She's like, you can come with me or you can stay here, but I'm going. And I was like, just like this fat world of Warcraft, like playing dude, just sitting there. I'm like, Oh, what you're you're moving to new york city and i didn't want to go i was like pissed i was like i don't want to move to new york like i'm comfortable here like i had my own like place and like i had my job and stuff and but i like wanted her more so i was like i'm moving to. i guess i moved to new york city and it was like kind of, out of no, nowhere and i told my friends I, was, like, I guess i moved to new york city i told <laughs> i told my whole guild on world of warcraft because i was one of the raid leaders you know pretty nerdy but i told him i was like guys i uh I have to stop playing World of Warcraft. I've, I'm moving to New York City, and everyone was just so confused, because I was the dude that... I was up all night. I slept like two, three hours a day. I was still... The schedule I'm on now, with glass glassblowing, is my same World of Warcraft schedule, but now I'm actually doing something productive, and doing something with my life. But I'm working those same crazy hours that I used to do when I was just like playing WoW, and staying up all night, all day, um, and just fucking farming, and playing way too many video games. And um, so I basically told everyone, Hey, I'm moving. I like quit playing wow. And I moved to New York city and I brought my skateboard with me. And, um, man, I remember, I don't even know if this is an important thing to say, but I remember the night we were like leaving for New York city. It was like afternoon. It was like pouring out and stuff. And like, I was saying bye to my parents. And, uh, cause Cassie, my wife's parents were driving us to New York city because we lived in upstate New York, which is about five and a half hours away from New York city. So if you meet someone that says they're from New York, they may have never even been to New York city because it's so far away. It would have been easier to go to a different state than New York city for a lot of people. Um, but the, the afternoon that we were moving, we were like, I was saying bye to my parents. We climb in the car. It's like porn and stuff. And my mom like runs outside with this cooler. And my mom's like, she just gives me like food and stuff. She had like this cooler full of meat and she's like, you can't forget your meat. And she's like trying to put it in the car and there's so much shit in the car. Nothing's fitting. And I'm like, and like, she's upset and everyone's upset and we couldn't fit the meat. So I couldn't take this meat my mom packed for me. So she like to bring it back inside and whatever. But, um, I don't even know why I told that story, but that was, I don't know, for me, that was like kind of intense, but so we moved to New York city and, um, I brought my skateboard with me and I hadn't skateboarded in a couple of years. I was about 25, 30 pounds heavier than I'd ever been. Um, and and i was like maybe i'll use my skateboard but when we moved to brooklyn there was literally cuz we were 20 years old and we didn't know anyone there was literally nothing to do like we just and we didn't have like video games we didn't have money we didn't have money to do anything like just getting our fucking studio apartment in bedside brooklyn was was like t- thirteen hundred bucks a month, not including utilities yet. So we were and we were like young and we didn't have any money. So like we could barely afford that. And thank God Cassie's grandma helped a bit so that she could go to school. Um but we had like nothing to do and like I just started going outside my apartment with my skateboard and be like, okay, well, I'll I'll skateboard. And at this time when I first moved to New York City, New York City felt like super big. And I was in like Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, which is very far from what most tourists or people that think about New York city. When you think about it, you're not thinking about like Bed-Stuy, you're thinking about like parts of Manhattan. So I wasn't like close to anything. So I wasn't like, Oh, I'll just like go outside and I'll go skate this famous place in New York city because I didn't know how to get there. I didn't know how the trains really worked yet. Like everything seemed far away. I was kind of nervous. Like, um, so I would just skate out in front of my apartment and, um, I met like a lot of nice people just doing that. Like people just would hear you or like walk by or skate by, see you and stop you, talk to you. And I started meeting people and um, Cassie's school didn't start for about three weeks or so. So we had about three weeks of just hanging out um, at our apartment until we tried to go to Manhattan. We were like, I don't know. Actually, no, we went to Manhattan pretty quick. She had to get her, all her books and shit, man. I'm thinking back. This is a while ago. This is I'm 30. I was 20. This is 10 years ago. I'm like, God, it's crazy. Crazy how time flies, guys. It's fucking nuts. But the reason I was saying, like, oh, like, we didn't go into Manhattan right away is because I like really wasn't comfortable enough to explore New York City right away. So like me and my wife went into Manhattan a couple times from Brooklyn because she needed to get like uh materials and books and everything for school that was starting in a few weeks. But once she started school, I had gone to Manhattan about like I'd say ten times with her running back and forth. And I felt a little more comfortable. I was like, okay, I know where the train station is. I know how to use the subway fairly well. I get it. Um, now my wife's going to school, and I didn't have a job or anything. Um, and I didn't have access to weed yet. It was sucked. My first, like, two months in New York City, I had no weed. But luckily, I was in bed Brooklyn, and no one IDs you. So I would just go to the corner store and just buy, like, 40s of, like, Coqui 900. or Yeah, it was mostly Coquie 900. Really gross, but also did the job. So I was just, you know, drinking alcohol when I first moved to New York city for like, you know, that was my party then. Cause I was like, well, I can't get weed. I don't know anyone here. And, um, <clears throat> but once I started exploring like Manhattan and stuff and going to different like skate spots and parks, I started meeting a ton of people and everybody smokes weed. I got to take a sip of coffee. Holy shit. My voice. But I started meeting people, and um, like almost immediately, I met this guy. His name's Danny Rash. He's a, he's an artist. He still lives in New York City. Still skateboards every day, um, and he's one of my oldest friends from New York. And I miss him. Uh, but I saw this guy at the skate park, and he was like, he seemed like kind of he was at the same place as me. Like he used to skateboard, um, but he was just getting back into it. I started talking to him. We were both like, yeah, he was like, yeah, I'm just getting back into it. I took a break for a few years and I was like, Oh me too. So we kind of like bonded there and then we started skating together. And, um, and yeah, like he's the one that really started showing me a lot of spots in New York cause he had been there longer. He moved there to be an artist and like, that's what he did. And he'd been there longer than me. So he kind of was just showing me, he's like, Oh, let's go here today. And I would just follow him around. And, um, One day I went back to his apartment and we were like, he was like, oh, you want to smoke? And I was like, fuck yes, dude. I have not smoked in like months. This has like been horrible. I don't know anyone here. And um, we smoked a blunt and it was like literally the best weed I'd ever tried. Like, oh, I was so stoned, but I was so comfortable just being outside. You know, there's like two levels where you get so stoned. You're not comfortable being in public and around people. And then there, you can get that super high too, where you're like, just like, this is great. I love being around people and out in public. And that's how I felt when I was in New York City. And it was just, I felt like I was living in a movie. Being a kid that comes from upstate New York and like farm towns, like dairy farms and all that kind of shit, like and living in New York City, you always have these ideas of what it's supposed to be like, you know, seeing Disney movies and all that type of stuff. You're like, oh, New York City is going to be like this or that. And it it was even more than what I expected it to be. All I did every day was wake up, I would throw on the barracks. This was before Instagram or any other shit. I'd throw on barracks. I'd watch like tip trick videos. I'd watch skate videos or trick of the day. And I'd smoke a blunt at the computer. And then I would fucking like hit up Danny, be like, all right dude, you want to meet me at Chinatown? I'd jump on the train, meet him at the Chinatown Park. We'll skate there for a couple hours. Then we'll maybe go uptown or go to Queens and go skate Astoria or Forest Park. Um Tribeca Park. There's just all we would do all day is smoke weed, skateboard, eat dollar dumplings. Like New York City is really expensive unless you know where shit is. Like you can go to Chinatown. There's these spots or like a little hole in the wall, like an alleyway, and there's just like an Asian lady back there whipping up dumplings and like these uh, what are they called, sesame seed pancakes or something like that or something like that. But it was all fire. Seriously, the best food ever, ever, and the nicest people, and super affordable too. Um, like a dollar and you get like six dumplings, like 50 cents for one of these big sesame seed pancake things. And then like 50 cents for a soda. So like two bucks, like you're eating good. <clears throat> and there's water fountains everywhere in New York city. I'm basically telling you how to be homeless in New York city right now. Um, but that's how it was for me then because I didn't have any money, but the skateboarding, everything like that was free. So I was like, and like everyone was always smoking blunts at the skate park and people were like, Oh, you want to, you want to hit off this? So I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Like, So I was able to just smoke all day and just be a real wook when I was in New York City. But it was, like, definitely, like, a life-changing experience. It gave me so much perspective. And then when I moved back to upstate New York, um, because, like, eventually, like, after living in New York City for, like, oh, man, we just couldn't afford it on the real. Like, that shit, like, we only lasted about a year before we were, like, okay, we can't afford to live here anymore, like, even because, like, Cassie had finished school because it was like a nine month course and she went to school for like, like one of her instructors was the makeup artist that did Fight Club and did all the makeup for Fight Club, like all like the gore makeup, like she, all the like the school she was going to, like she was just doing crazy stuff from high fashion makeup onto like legitimate like models and shit and then um, also doing like monster movie, like mask work and prosthetics and stuff and then me, I'm hanging out with like, This guy, Danny Rash, his girlfriend works for Jessica Simpson's shoe line, and it's her assistant and knows Jessica Simpson, hangs out with her all the time. I feel like I was in a fucking movie. I was a nobody, though. I just wore really tight pants and skateboarded every day and couldn't grow a very good beard. So I wasn't anybody, but the people I was around and hanging out with, like I felt like I was in a fucking movie. And like one day, I went to pick up Cassie from school. And when you say pick up, which means I just left the skate park, jumped on the train, went to Soho and you know met her outside her school. One of the days I went to get her, like I I am standing there and I'm like I can't find her and like I call her and uh she's like I'm outside. I'm like where are you? And I walk by and I don't see her and then I look and like there's this bald lady standing there and Cassie's completely bald, like smooth like an alien. But she's also in her really fancy New York City like outfit gear cuz she was always dressed in fancy there cuz that's what you do if you're a cool kid, I guess. I was always really sweaty, like huge white rings of sweat stains just from skateboarding. Like I'd pick her up from school and I would just be eyes bloodshot, just like soaked to the bone with multiple layers of sweat that have dried and re moistened up just filthy. And people be like, who is this homeless guy hanging out with you? I was like, Oh, it's it's Evan. That's my boyfriend. Cause we were just boyfriend and girlfriend at that time. But we had already been together for five years at that point. Cause we started dating when we were 15. Um, but I picked her up one day and she had like a bald cap on, like completely like smooth. And like, that's why I didn't even notice. Like it was her standing there. And, uh, but it was so well done that it looked real. Like this shit looked so real. Like her makeup was all done and it was so well put on because she's going to school with professionals. And so was she. So they're, they're throwing on bald caps like pros and making people look like different people and monsters and stuff. And she just had a bald cap on from doing something. And we had to take the subway home and our subway rides like 45 minutes but, man, uncomfortable 45 minutes because people couldn't tell because it didn't look like a bald person. It, like, looked like an alien because her head was so smooth, but it looked so real. Yeah. I don't know, but Halloweens were great because Cassie did prosthetics and stuff, so she could do crazy, make you look like some crazy shit in New York City when we lived there and did Halloween. It was really fun. And even when we moved, to like, a lot of the people, like, oh, yeah, I forgot to say, I worked, yeah, I worked in Times Square in New York City, and, like, for me, like, I'd wake up like when I finally got a job, because for my first, I'd say like four and a half months, I didn't have a job. So I was literally just smoking blunts and skateboarding every day. But then we got to a point where it was like, you really need to get a job because I had applied a bunch of places, but no one was hiring me because I don't know. I just, I didn't have experience like other people had. And a lot of the jobs I was qualified for were just sales jobs. And if you don't have a sales, like any sort of sales background, they're not really trying to hire you. And, um, so I eventually had to get a job and me and actually, me and my friend Danny actually got our jobs together. We went to our job <laughs> interviews together and everything. And we both got a job at the element store in Times Square. And, um, I just remember when we got hired, I'm like, we both got hired. This is like so crazy. Like we're to hang out every day at work now too. Like it was, it was fucking fun. Um, but for me, like when I started working that job and I was like waking up every day and going to work in New York City, like taking the subway with everyone, like I was part of that New York City, like all the people living there in that flow. And, and it was all natural for me. And like I'd get off the train, I'd be in Times Square and there wouldn't be that many people in Times Square because it was so early because no one's out yet. It's really, you know, pretty empty. And I'm just skateboarding through Times Square, this place that I used to see in movies and TV shows growing up as a kid. Like I was in... I was in those movies and TV shows. I felt like it was crazy. I was just that guy that like, I was, when tourists were there, I was the guy that would just see skating by that was just, he lives in New York city. I don't know, it was weird. It was, it was, I really liked living there, but it was, it's a place you can only live. I feel like if you're willing to work really hard for very little, or um, you need to be fairly set with your finances to live comfortably there. It's, it's crazy expensive. Um, just, just like, like housing. I mean, you can find food for cheap, but yeah. But then when we moved, um, home from New York city, um, cause we couldn't like really just couldn't afford it anymore. Uh, so we had to get out, which was hard. It's really hard to move out of New York city too, just cause it's, it's expensive. Just trying to find like, just trying to find like a U-Haul and do this and that. It's not as easy as other places. Like everything's like harder to get to. The streets are tiny and there's tons of people everywhere, but we moved home, and fuck, I could not find good weed anywhere. And I think I talked about this uh, briefly in another podcast episode, but that's kind of how I got into growing, is because I couldn't find, like, good flour anywhere. I just didn't know the right people or whatever. But I, like, when I moved back to upstate New York, I continued skating, but, I like, it didn't feel like it did in New York City. Like, when, when you, like, live in New York City, and you're, like, part of that community, and you, like, know people, like, people are excited to see you it's almost like you know people think oh like people in New York City are like really tough or they're mean or this or that I'm like what part of New York City were you in were you in Times Square were you in Soho yeah you were around a bunch of tourists you're around people that aren't from this country or people that aren't from New York City so they're dicks but people in New York City like the real people at least the ones I interacted with were fucking the nicest people everyone's like hugging everyone's like you know like one crazy thing for me being from upstate New York, like people just like hugging that you don't like you're not family with. Like I was like, that was new for me. And also too, another thing, like, like a girl kissing you on the cheek, like when they like hug you goodbye, like nothing. It was just like a friend thing. Like me and my wife weren't used to any of that. Cause even some of the guys did it too. Like, but I just loved, I loved that though. I loved you just, you could be anybody and you know, people don't care. There's like, they just like you for who you are. You know, you don't have to fit any mold. That's one of the beautiful things about major cities is that when you have that many people together, melting together and, you know, like, I feel like a lot of people can be themselves and, you know, if you're eccentric, be eccentric. If you're like one, Bane, he's having a nightmare squeaking over there. Jeez. It's good. You're good, bro. I don't know. Living in a big city is awesome, but at the same time, too, it's no place for me to raise a family or like try and take care of people or, you know being where I'm at in my life, it's just not a place I could have made enough money to take care of my family and stuff. But it's a great place to learn, um, to have, you know, have experiences and, oh man, it's an amazing place to skateboard when it's not like raining and shit. That's the one thing that people on the West coast, like you guys get to skate. I feel like year round, like us East coasters, we get like a solid, like six to eight months. And then it's, I would say six good months, but man, the weather on the East coast is brutal. But yeah, when I moved back upstate though, like skateboarding, I kept doing it, kept doing it. But then when I was like 22, 23, like I found, um, glass blowing. And once I found that it was like, I didn't want to do anything else. It wasn't like, cause when I talk to people, I'm like, Oh, when I started glass blowing, I quit skateboarding, guitar, snowboarding, I quit everything that made me, me. And I started a new path in my life. It wasn't out of like, a, coming from a bad place it was because I was like this is it like glass blowing like I get to like spend all day like creating like pipes and art and I get to use them because my thing is when I worked at head shop I've said this a couple times I loved putting water in the pieces and pulling on them and function testing so that was before I was a glass blower so once I started blowing glass and actually making the pipes and I could put water in them and water test stuff and tweak things and make a new pipe. I was, fu- I was so, so hooked. It was so for me, stopping doing everything that made me who I was to pursue glass blowing is my main thing and put all my time there. wasn't like a hard thing. It's just something that happened. But, um, nowadays, like, I don't know, like I'm, I'm feeling like I'm ready to get back into skateboarding. Like once the, everything gets better out there and I can get back with my personal trainer, like lose a little bit more weight and, you know, get some more muscle built up around my lower back and stuff. And my health insurance, like, or my, uh, I think my wife said our insurance went through for me. Cause we're trying to get insurance for me. So if I get hurt, that will be okay. But it's tough when you're a glass blower, trying to find someone that's going to cover you for all these new things. It's a, uh, that's one thing. Um, if you guys are glass blowers out there and you're trying to find a way, how do I like cover myself if I get hurt? So, cause like if you're the main person that pays for your family's bills and stuff and you're like, what happens if I get hurt on the job or something happens? That is a tough thing to find, so I would get at it sooner than later and just keep um you know, don't quit because man, it's a dangerous job for sure, even if you're very careful. Um see here, drop my my joint. Mark, you need a lighter, bro. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So I'm really excited to get back into skateboarding and because too, I want like I want to teach my daughter how to skateboard too. Like I want to build a mini ramp here at our, our house and stuff and um i don't know i just think all the there's so much you can learn from like any sort of a sport really but skateboarding to me is special so i really want to get her into that i mean and she's going to be on a board before before she knows it i mean i see kids nowadays like fucking, like people post videos on instagram of a kid like three years old dropping in and stuff it's freaking crazy i mean i don't know if i want her doing that because i don't really want her to get hurt but I think we'll be rolling around by age three, I would say. So I'm really excited to, um, to share that with her. And I'm excited to really get back into skateboarding. And I think it's going to be like super healthy for me too, to start getting out and doing more again, because I've literally buckled down hard for seven years on glass blowing. I said I was going to do it for 10 before I did anything else, but man, I'm getting an itch to like, you know, go have a little fun and do some things. And it's not just the quarantine doing it, but it kind of, the quarantine's like reminded me or been like, you know, you don't even have the option if you want to right now. So I'm like, Oh, now I feel it. Like, I I think I do want to do things again. Like, you know, I don't want to just bury myself in work just to prove a point that like I don't stop because that's like a lot of the thing, like how I post things on Instagram and maybe the image that I put off is that it's just like constant, constant, constant. I don't stop. And that is what it is right now. Um, but I, I don't want to do that forever. I don't think anyone does. That's tough. You know, that's that's a lot. It's a lot of work, and it's a lot of commitment, and it's tough to be consistent at that pace. That pace can wear you down, so you got to be uh, aware of that. But, <coughs> yeah, I'm excited to get back out and start getting on the board again. I, w- I hope my wife wants to do it, too, because Cassie used to skateboard, too. Like, we were 15 when we got together, so she started skateboarding with me, like, taught her how to, like, Ollie up curbs and do shove its and I think she did some kickflips and stuff and she would skate ramps, like because me and Cassie, like we would travel. Like we when we were seventeen years old, we drove all up and down the east coast and went to different backyard pools because I knew all different people that had these big bowls in their backyard and we would just go to ramp parties. We just drink Miller High Life and skateboard all day. We were the youngest ones there. But um we kinda had an end just cause um, family and skateboarding. We had like a lot of skateboarders in our family and stuff and just new people. So, you know, skateboarding was just, it was something that me and my wife did together too, just like we did World of Warcraft, just like we built Bear Mountain Studios together. And now we have this beautiful little girl together and everything we're doing is a team thing. So that's one thing too, not to, if you're trying to build your own thing out there, understand that everything I've done, I've done with someone right by my side that was a hundred percent believing in it, supportive of it and about it. Uh, this is very hard to do by yourself, guys. It's—I uh, would say—it's near impossible to to build something huge completely alone. You're eventually going to need people to work with you and believe in what you're doing and want to support and be part of it. So don't try not to put push people away. But um, that's something I did for years, and we talked about that one episode, I think. But we don't need to get back into it. Oh yeah. I actually want to show you guys. Um. This uh Rick and Morty piece I just finished up with uh Windstar. I'm gonna steal this uh mood mat from this little plant right here. Boom. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate you. Had to had to show this off. It was sitting over there on the desk getting ready for shipping, and I was like, you know what, before we pour the water out, let's show this little guy off on the podcast. Um it's a 14 millimeter standard RBR and um Windstar had sent me this prep back in like January and it's uh, April now. So it took me a while to get to it, which I feel horrible about. That's one thing I'm sometimes I get really behind on work and it takes me a while to get to certain collabs. But I was able to get this one done. And um, she did the Rick and Morty flips on her like stained glass tech, which it's going to be hard to see in the video. You kind of have to hold it up to a light or let the sun hit it. But essentially it looks like these guys are in a church or some shit it's great it's like their their faces are in stained glass windows it's really fun and then did that uh right there all right and then uh, i did the plumbus mouthpiece and i'll tell you what i've always seen like a few episodes of rick and morty so for me like i'm just being honest with you guys i had to do a little research and learn about it um but man, I think I might be hooked on it now though. Cause I only like, I started like looking into it, watching stuff and it was, I'm, I don't even want to, I'm, I'm watching it now though. And I'm, I'm loving it. But, um, yeah. So for me like making like the plumbus and stuff like that and doing something different like that was fun. This was really fun for me to make cause you guys see me do a lot of functionals and stuff. I don't get to do too much like sculpting or try to try to remake something that we've seen before. You know what I mean? Like when, when I make an RBR, like, it looks like how I wanted it to look. But when you're like, you know, people out there that remake stuff, like they make, like maybe they make who, like, like I think it's Saney glass. He makes incredible, incredible stuff. Or even like Mike Luna and stuff. When people make stuff that are like nostalgic to us or stuff, that are actual things we've seen in like, you know, TV shows and stuff like that. It was fun to be able to like do something like this is my whole point. Something different. And it made me feel like, Oh man, like someday if I want to pursue like, more sculpting and stuff, that'd be really cool. Like right now I'm still super hooked on function though, guys. So I mean that's that's where my heart is right now. But it was fun to kind of get out of my comfort zone and try something a little different like this. Um I'll do a couple polls on it though. I don't know if you'll be able to see it super good. Um we can try though. Is this the camera we're looking at here? Sweet. Swing this mic up. But this color right here too is really special. Um I sleeved Haterade over slime, and the reason I did that is because I wanted the slime to be more transparent, but I still wanted it to have a really saturated green color. So instead of sleeving slime with clear and watering down the green, but still adding transparency, I did it with Haterade. So that it kept that nice rich green, but we had some more transparency. This thing has, like, honestly, this mouthpiece gives it such a different hit. It's really, really nice. You feel like you can just, like, pull super hard on it, though. This thing just shreds. And I love how, like, with the stained glass, um, like, how the function looks, like, with that, like, stained glass text she did. And this one's sold. Super grateful for the support, guys. Like, you guys are... Man, do you guys support super heavy, especially you guys that watch this podcast and get through this far of them and everything, because, man, I appreciate you guys. But this, yeah, this one is sold, and I'm I'm stoked it's going to a good home. It's one of my collectors that buys a bunch of my work. I didn't even know he liked Rick and Morty, which is really cool. So, yeah, stoked how this one turned out. But um today I am finishing up what am I finishing up today? Oh I'm not finishing, but I'm about halfway through my uh, Barcelona drop that's going out Monday. Um and then I'm working on, I think this Sunday is supposed to be our Sunday sale day. I'm probably gonna have like a couple pieces, maybe just one piece available. Um, just because I'm really because I'm doing these giveaways now, they're kind of the giveaways, they're almost my Sunday sale stuff that I'd make money on. Um, But even if I make a little mess, less money, I think the biggest thing is like supporting our stores and like showing people where to get glass and honestly have fun things for people to look forward to. And that's, we talked about that earlier on in the episode. But I'm going to light my joint, drink a little more coffee. And um, fuck, I don't even know, guys. This has been fun. Can't wait to have a fucking guest down here, though tell you that right now had plans for it but uh quarantine so no one's no one's coming in for probably a bit but I'm gonna keep making these we're gonna be here hanging out I'll at least be able to catch up with you guys each week even though I can uh because I want to have guests on here so I can hear fucking stories and learn more about people in this community because because I work so much by myself and I don't get out to like the parties or anything like that I don't hear the stories or I don't know people's background. All I know is what I see on Instagram. And I don't think Instagram is the best like way of showing who someone is or, as an artist or their background or what drives them or even some funny stories about their life that you guys can relate to. So that's why I just came in to have guests and start so learning more myself. Oh, we went through. Um, also too, like uh, with the guests too, it's, I feel like it could uh, really push the podcast in a totally different direction as well. You know, like where, you know, it's, we're obviously have the solo episodes where I just hang out and talk and stuff, but you know, having episodes that are more focused on specific subjects or just glass blowing and stuff like that. Cause you know, this type of thing might not be for everyone just hanging out and listening to a conversation and talking and stuff like that. You know, some people are more like, Hey, I'm just really interested in function. I don't need to hear all the other bullshit. So I think that as the channel builds on YouTube and stuff, we're going to have like uh more categories of things and more things that are like, Hey folks, on this is like all about function. Here's like a solo episode with Evan or here's like a guest episode where they get into this. Um, and I hope to someday honestly have like someone that's in here like all the time for the most part, I'm really trying to convince my wife to do it. She doesn't want to be on camera that I don't think every, every week she's like, uh, do you have anything to talk about? Like, how are you going to do another episode? I'm like, I have stuff to talk about. We're going to hang out. I'm going to hang out with everybody. They're going to get on the fucking podcast. We're going to just talk about shit, or at least I am. And you guys are listening. But yeah, hope to have guests on soon. Hopefully this shit gets better soon. Oh man. I have these like new, like things I've been drawing up and like concepts and ideas and pieces I want to work on. And they're so different than anything I've done before. And I'm like itching so hard to fucking just, Some of them I can't make until I have certain tools. I need, like, uh, some Dremel equipment and some more lapidary equipment, which is just cold-working stuff where you can do a little bit more, like, precise shaping to things after the piece is finished or parts and then build a finished piece. So I need to save up a little bit more money for that and get these lathes running. But I'm feeling that, like, really excited feeling again because as artists we go through, like, phases where it's like we're super inspired everything's great and then we go down we're like I don't even know what to make do I even like what I make like you go through these waves and I'm in one of those ones right now with it's weird it's like with everything negative going on I'm just feeling like really like I'm just feeling motivated and excited and I want to share that with people and there's new stuff I want to fucking make and they're not even like functionals I mean they're gonna function they're gonna be a pipe but it's not it's so different than what I've been doing. I'm going to keep obviously doing what I'm doing now, but like, I'm excited for like the future and like my, like, you know, for my career to like in my artistic ability to grow so I can pursue all these different ideas. And a lot of these things I want to make, I don't think I'll even probably sell though. I think I'm, I'm making them for me to just to have like almost like this, this big hookah recycler right here. Like there's, certain things I want to make that it's, I'm not making it to make money. I'm not motivated to, to make it because oh, I'm going to get a big cha- paycheck from this. I'm just making it. Cause I feel like compelled, like I have to make it. It needs to be made and I need to see it like manifest into a physical object. I can hold not just an image in my head. I want to hold this thing. I want to make it. So yeah, I'm, I'm feeling, um, I'm feeling that, that inspiration lately. um, you know, maybe you guys can feed off that too and find a little bit yourselves because got to do anything we can right now to continue growing what we've been all working so hard to build for years. I've only been working at this for seven years. There's people that have been in the scene for 20, 30 years that have been building it, and everyone's been working hard forever, so I don't want that shit to slow down. Let's uh, So let's just keep crushing it. But, yeah, let's see. Uh, w- maybe one last thing to talk about, and this is one thing um, I talked a little bit with uh, my producer about. Um, was just like because I always tell you guys just to work hard. I'm always like, oh, just work hard, just put the hours and put the time in. And my producer brought it up because it is hard work, but there's more. There's so much more than that. It's not just like working hard all the time. Um, and I'm going to, I'll try to talk about this now that I've gotten through a whole joint and I'm extra stoned and I'll try to make sense here. We'll see what happens. That's why we save it for the end. So if you don't make it this far, maybe for the best. But I would say that definitely it's not just working hard. You have to have a plan. Um, you have to have certain like milestones you set that you know, okay, I need to get to this so that I can get to this. You need to understand that there's steps that you need to do, not just as an artist or a creator, but as a business person, as someone that's trying to look, like, look six, seven years down the road. So for us, yes, we work super hard. However, my wife, on the other hand, she's the one that's constantly working on all the books, looking at taxes, looking at what we need to pay, what we need to get, what route we should take to get there. If we need to take a loan out and pay it over time, or can we just buy it? There's all different risks you need to take too. So this is where luck and everything's going to come in as well. So it's not just hard work and having a plan, but also risks you need to take. It's, it's, so much of it is that you'll have this great plan and this great work ethic. But if you're not willing to take that one risk you need to take to get to the next level, then it may never happen. You may just work hard all the time and just have just enough, which that's a trap. I've, I've gotten caught in it a little bit at times and I've had to like change things up to climb out like this podcast, trying something different. These are all different risks. I take that I'm trying because we don't know what's going to work. You need to cast many different things out there to figure out which one's going to catch something. So hard work, having a plan, be willing to take that risk. And I'm not going to lie. There's got to be some luck involved. I'm lucky that I haven't gotten, you know, in trouble for something or gotten arrested for something or this or that. Like there's all these different luck things from, I'm lucky that I had a girl that I met when I was 15 and we've been together and built everything together. There's a lot of that involved too. So understand if you're pursuing something and you're going to put everything you have into something. And even if you have a plan, you're work hard, you're willing to take the risk. It may be that last little bit of luck that just didn't catch for you, but don't, you know, don't fail and then think that it won't work at something else because that's the same thing with casting out a bunch of different things. You need to try a bunch of different things or have a bunch of different things going in order for one of them to catch. We don't live in a day and age where, you know, just one person can go to work and provide for a whole family. Now both people need to go out and work. And they both need to have multiple things going on just in case one doesn't work out because there's no consistency or guarantee in this day and age. Um, So I just wanted to be clear about that. Like, yes, work hard. But there's a lot of other things that go into it in order for it to be successful and i don't even know if we're successful yet. Yes, we sell glass. You guys support us so heavy. Like <clears throat> we're making this podcast, we've rebuilt this studio, we're trying to do things. But what is success at the same time? Like and for me, i've said it in other podcasts like when i'm successful is as soon as like my family, my parents, my brother, my wife, my children, they don't have to worry about anything. Everybody's good. That's when i'll find success. So for now, i'm still on my grind. That's why you guys see me still up all night grinding, crushing, and posting, doing drops. Like We're still just grinding and doing it because we're not there yet either. We're still taking those risks. We are still have a plan we're following. We still have milestones we haven't yet reached. Um, But with each little step we make and each week we post a podcast, and every time we get an order shipped out, every single one of those is a small building block to something that's hopefully going to be a A really strong foundation for a bigger, you know, something bigger someday, something that includes a lot of people and not just me and my wife and, you know, my assistant. So, yeah, fuck. Where are we even at, guys, here? Yeah, okay. Look at us. (sighs) Well, I'm going to take a couple more hits off this, but we're going to be ending this up here soon, guys. And again, thank you, everybody that makes it. This far into my podcast. All you guys that watch these and support these. Don't forget about our drops coming up. Boom Bap in Spain. They're shipping. So if you're over there, you know, in the UK or Spain or, you know, I'm American and I'm from New York. So I, I don't know very much about the geography over there. But they are getting a drop. They're shipping still. Hetty Glass Gallery. Um, I believe they're in Maryland now or Maine, but they're going to be shipping too. Most of where these locations are don't matter too much because most people are going to be shipping at this point. Um, Man, it was fucking fun hanging out though today, guys. And you know, thanks for listening to me like mumble and you know drag on conversations and it's been fun though. I I love doing these. They're, they're a great way for me to get my head and get my, get my mind straight and reflect on what I've done in my week and, you know, my life because I get so buried in my work. Sometimes I forget the things I've done. Stepping on that skateboard brought up so many stories and memories for me. And talking about New York city today was, was nice too. It brought up even more things that I'm actually bummed I didn't talk about, but we have more episodes. We have other things we'll do and film. So I'm sure, uh, you guys will learn much more about me and everything we're trying to do here. And, uh, man i hope you guys stay safe out there um, i'm excited for next week and uh man this is the this is the what's up everybody podcast thank you guys for watching and have an awesome week